If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating, and overeating. Okay, so the copy here says to talk about my experience with stress. Oh boy, <laughs> do you have an hour? Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> Work, bills, life, family. I could go podcast. on for a very, yeah, <laughs> podcast, a very long time. And I actually do though, in therapy, which is so helpful for me so I can manage, deal, and get through it. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time. Here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash fruit. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit. All right, guys, it's it's time for me to come clean. It's okay. it's time for me to tell the truth. Right. It's time for me to spill the beans. Okay. It's time <laughs> to fess up. It's time to keep it a buck. Keep it 100. Are you going to get to it? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So sometimes after dark, I sneak away and play Best Fiends. Others may wonder about my mysterious disappearances. They say, who does she think she is? David Blaine? David Copperfield? I say none of the above. In fact, I'm having so much fun playing Best Fiends. Ever heard? of it? Why, yes, I have. <laughs> I love Best Fiends. I love collecting the little monsters when you play so I can level up my fiends. Also, I love going in for the super long matches to free up the board and beat levels. Ooh. I am happy to report that I am on level 440. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, friend, I see you flexing over there. <laughs> now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting new levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. I am on level 304. Beth, tell them about the offline play. Yes, of course. <laughs> there <laughs> is offline play, so you don't even need Wi-Fi or the internet. Oh, good. So download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
everybody, and welcome to Fruit Loops episode eight. Thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white, but because serial killers tend to choose victims of their own race and the press just loves to report on white victims while neglecting the stories of people of color. There is a prominent belief out there that all serial killers are white, but guess what? That's wrong. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of these serial killers and uh, the true crimes committed by people of color and their victims, amen, that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because, well, the news is racist. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. Mm -hmm. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Some of the things that we discuss on this podcast may be triggering and or disturbing to some listeners. Please know that we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions. So please send any questions or comments you may have to uh, fruitloopspod at gmail.com and enter at your own risk. How are you? Well, how was your weekend? Um, kind of busy. Uh, yesterday I did a lot of socializing, which is unusual for me because I, I usually hide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. That sounds nice. So how's your, how was your weekend? Um, let me think. So, uh, School starts tomorrow, and for my kids, um, we got a first grader and a preschooler, and uh, so we did back to school shopping, which was so right. fun. But yeah. it went by really fast. Like we we wrote a list before we went. We were, we went into those stores. We took no prisoners. We 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 were like, you wait in line now. You go find this stuff. And it was, it, and we just, it was like an assault on the store. <laughs> and we got it done so fast. We were so proud of ourselves. Um, and uh, so my daughter, um, she's very into her, you know, summer style and she's, she's already got her own lip kits and shit. So she, um, she's very into how she looks. And uh, my son and her uh, got, together and decided they were going to do a haircuts on each other. And oh, no. uh, oh, he, no. I, w- I was in a meeting on Friday afternoon and my husband texted me in the middle of the meeting. I was like, uh, don't panic, but your son just cut off ha- a few inches of your daughter's hair is how he described it in the text. <laughs> well, when I got home, it was actually half of her hair was oh um, like, like a pixie cut. Which oh, I used to rock back in the day, and I don't, I'm not anti pixie cut, but my daughter is three, <laughs> and so we were like, we need to fix this right now before school starts on Monday. Yeah. So we found a salon. They cut her hair, you know, cute, and she looks like a little Halle Berry, and she's just rocking Aww. it and embracing it. And I was afraid that she wouldn't, she would feel really be upset, um, insecure, yeah. yeah, be really upset. And I was also afraid that people at school would. Um, like tease her for having a short haircut but um, when she uh, we went to like a meet the teacher thing and everybody everybody loved her hair so we're just really oh, that's excited. awesome so, well, it all worked yeah, out well exactly so um, crisis averted <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>. so <laughs> 
Before we get into our very special episode about Anthony Sowell, a.k.a. the Cleveland Strangler, we've got some shout-outs and some news. Our shout-outs are when we shout-out any content by people of color or uh, people of color, any marginalized groups, and any true crime goodies. So take it away, Beth. Um, I want to recommend a p- podcast I found called I Survivor. Thank it's you so a much podcast. For this <laughs> I'm glad Sorry, you liked it's it. It's so good. So good. Sorry, I loved it. It's a podcast on the Wondering Network, and the hosts are Jenna Brister, and I'm going to have trouble with this pronunciation. Wagatwe Wanjuki. Uh, she's a person of color. And uh, they are the hosts. They share the stories of men and women who survive harrowing circumstances. And the latest episode, uh, which I highly recommend, is called Not Today, Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) It's about a woman who survived being attacked in a public park restroom. And uh, the title of the episode is called that because that's what she told the guy. <laughs> yeah, and episode. It is. And I was on the edge of my seat. After mm-hmm. the story, the hosts talk about self-defense and interview a guy who teaches self-defense. So it's a really good episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and they're a newer show. So they, they, I think I only saw maybe four episodes, but I yeah. am looking forward to hearing more. Um, So I second your recommendation. I uh, think it is super dope. It is a great show. Um, And I too would have a shout out. I'd like to shout out the um, Rest in Peace, the Trayvon Martin story. It's a documentary. Jay-Z is the executive producer. So if you are a fan of Jay-Z or the last documentary he did about uh, the kid who got locked up in Rikers Island for stealing a backpack and then uh, for three years. He, yeah, waiting, waiting a wow. trial. Um, Trayvon Martin discusses uh, is the docu series details the seventy one seconds that changed America. Um, Trayvon Martin was a teenage boy who was walking home one day with Skittles in one hand and Arizona iced tea in his pocket, and he was wearing a hoodie, and he was attacked and shot in the heart and killed by the neighborhood watch president, and. Um, he was a black teenager. He's a child and it's a heart wrenching story. Um, I don't have showtime because I can't afford it, but the makers of the film really want everyone to see it. So um, it's on showtime and I watched it on Amazon. Um, you can also at BET will be airing it later on and you can see it if you have, um, you know, that basic cable cap package. So cool. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So, do we have any serial killer news? Yes, we do. Now, this one is a doozy. Only, only because I love onomatopoeia. Daniel Drayton, doozy. <laughs> uh, no, his name is Daniel Drayton. He, uh, he doesn't really have a, a famous name yet. Some people, I think, I saw he's he's the. Um, uh, social media killer or the online or dating app killer. Um, I saw also the Tinder serial killer and I like that one the best. So that's what I'm going. Yeah. With. He was, he was arrested on July 24th in Los Angeles on charges of sexual assault and attempted murder. He tried to rape and kill a woman in the, in her North Hollywood apartment. When he, the police got there, she was tied up y'all. Wow. <laughs> he is 27 years old. Yeah. So he was, a, he was going to kill her for sure. He's 27 years old. He's from Connecticut. Uh, He is alleged to have used um, dating and ride 
sharing apps to prey on women um, for the New York Times. Yeah. So delete your Tinder, delete your, delete your Uber, (laughs) delete your Lyft. Uh, He is, I know it makes you think twice. He's alleged to, uh, so I said that already. He has been linked to several cases involving violence against women. His latest victim was a nurse named Samantha Stewart. And I'm not sure about her race, uh, but she was found dead in his apartment on July 17th. So a couple of weeks before he was um, picked up. So she was found dead in his apartment and what, he took off or something? Yeah, he went to California and then oh, okay. hooked up with this girl in L.A. And um, okay. I believe he did rape her or he tried to rape and kill her is what the article I found said. So I don't know if he actually did rape her, but she was tied up in his apartment in one account that I um, looked at. So uh, there was, so he killed this woman in New York. He went to LA and was about to kill this, uh, uh, this other woman. So Samantha is the dead one who uh, was located in New York. Um, He admitted to police to seven murders from all the way from New York to California. And he told police that voices in his head made him do it. Bullshit. Um, this is a develop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> because uh, I also read that he'd been arrested numerous times for um, like strangling his ex-girlfriend and oh um, violence against women. And they, they eventually let him go or didn't, didn't, I don't know. He didn't. I've heard that um, men who s- strangle, their uh-huh. uh, girlfriends, uh, mm-hmm. significant others. Um, that's a warning sign that they could escalate to murder. Like if they, For- if during a fight or whatever, they, they strangle them and let them go. So they, they survive. Uh-huh. Um, but that, uh-huh. that is a warning sign that, it, he could escalate to murder. It's a red flag in my mind for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if your boyfriend yeah. strangles you, uh, but doesn't kill you, uh, get yeah. out, <laughs> get, <laughs> get the hell out. out. And, and there are, and there are so many resources out there for people for, like in all seriousness for people who are um, under in this situation. I know it's a terrible situation to be in, but um, I think uh uh, I, the only reason why I bring up he, his past crimes before is that there the signs were there, just like you said. It's a, it's yeah. a red flag. So um, maybe if more people had reported it, or more people had um, uh, got behind keeping him behind bars for these violent crimes that he'd perpetrated in the past, um, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why he got out, but um, it's just it just it's just. Um, a, f- a f- general failure somewhere there was a failure yeah. in the system um, because the signs were there. Um, so this is a developing story and hopefully we'll find out enough and maybe we'll be able to do an episode about him and his um, victims. Uh, yeah. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Cool. So, yeah. Okay, so hit it, Beth. Who are we talking about today? We are talking about Anthony Sowell, an African-American serial killer from Cleveland, Ohio. He's known for his house of horrors where 11 dead bodies were found scattered throughout his home. Uh, This subject was actually suggested by my sister. And if any of you guys have suggestions for us, please let us know. Yes, please. And now 
Your favorite part. The stats. <laughs> okay. So this dude um, is um, associated with 11 known murders. He could have had more. I don't know. Um, his span of crimes was from May 2007 to September 2009 in Ohio. He was apprehended on Halloween 2009. Uh, and I thought it was interesting to point out that the last killer we covered was also apprehended on Halloween night. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, hmm. Yeah, a lot of crazy <laughs> shit happening on Halloween. All right, just stay inside that day, okay? <laughs> also, uh, there were six women um, who survived his attacks. So those are the numbers. Interesting. So Anthony Edward Sowell was born on August 19th, 1959, and he was raised in East Cleveland. He had six siblings and seven of his cousins also lived with him after their mother died. God damn, that is a lot of kids. Um, yeah. But what's the alternative? Put them in the foster care system, have them yeah. live with those two lesbian white ladies and drive them off the cliff? <laughs> no no keep up with the family (laughs) and okay so a niece and i read in other places a cousin so i'm not really sure if it was a niece or a cousin but in any case a female family member of his who was one year younger than him lived with soul after her mother died she testified on the witness stand that his mother beat her uh, starting when she was 10 years old Almost daily, Sowell's mother, Claudia Gertrude Garrison, forced the woman, the niece or the cousin, and her twin sister to strip naked in front of the other children. Then Garrison would tie them to a banister and whip them with electrical cords until they bled. I read in some places that Sowell was never abused himself nor his siblings, but in other places uh, they said that he was abused, so I don't know. In any case, he did see the abuse that was going on. And uh, the niece or the cousin said one day when she was 11, he lured her into the third floor of the home and forced her to have sex with him, threatening violence. Eventually, Sol would rape her daily, and an uncle and other male relatives in the home would do the same. Just horrible. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a house of horrors from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. <laughs> Even before Sol started his extracurricular activities. So um, his half-sister said that he was a mean child, very aggressive, and that he uh, told her that he didn't think his mother loved him. She maintains that it was the other way around. Uh, Sol joined the U.S. Marines at age 18 in 1978 He was trained as an electrician at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Um, The military took him overseas to Okinawa, Japan in 1984. Um, He was discharged in the Marines in 1985 and uh, received awards like the Good Conduct Medal, a Certificate of Commendation, and two Letters of Appreciation. Um, He was married when he was in the military and had a baby girl, but he and his wife divorced. In 1989, a woman named Melvette Sockwell, who was three months pregnant at the time, went to Sowell's home voluntarily. When she tried to leave, he bound her hands and feet with a tie and belt and gagged her with a rag. He kept her in the house for days and raped her at knife point. Uh, The victim told police he choked me real hard because my body started tingling 
I thought I was going to die. He told her he was going to kill her. When he fell asleep, she was able to get away. Uh, Sowell was charged with kidnapping, rape, and attempted rape. He eventually pled guilty to the charge of attempted rape. Sowell was released from prison in 2005 after serving a 15-year sentence for attempted rape. He uh, had to register as a sex offender when he was released, um, and a psychological evaluation done before he was released concluded that he was a, quote, unlikely to re-offend. End quote. <laughs> that was a big, fat, <laughs> wrong answer. Wrong. <laughs> oh, and um, at the time he was released, uh, I the, the laws were such that he didn't have to, like, notify his neighbors that he was a oh, sex offender. Oh, really? Yeah, that changed some at some point when he was out. There was some federal wow. law that required. Yeah, because that wasn't that long do... ago, two thousand and five. No, no, and I, 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 I read that in that book. Um, oh, House okay, of Horrors, the book. I think it's called. Right, right. Yeah. So I didn't yeah, read that, that one. Um. Okay. So in my ebook, it was nine hundred pages. Pages. It was. It was lengthy, and I did my best to get through all of it. But I. I yeah, I pretty hard. Didn't have. <laughs> But I got through most of it, and I most found that little tidbit. So. Um, so after his release from prison in 2005, Sowell moved into the family home at 12205 Imperial Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. And I think when he moved there, there were some family members living there, but um, they left. I think his mom died, and then uh, somebody else was put into a nursing home, but I don't remember who they were. But at some point he was living there alone. Um, yeah, I think his mom w- uh, moved into the nursing home okay. shortly after he, he moved um, got back. out of prison. Yeah. 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 And then and then after she was gone, he had the house all to himself. Right. Okay. Oh, minus the dead bodies. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so the neighborhood that he lived in is referred to as Mount Pleasant. That's kind of ironic. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> this was around the time when the economy tanked and the housing bubble burst. Uh, neighbors referred to him as Tone or Tony, and they knew him as friendly yet reserved, perhaps a little bit odd. In the 50s, Mount Pleasant was a well-maintained area occupied by black professionals, doctors, teachers, and even Don King and football star Jim Brown lived there. Eventually, the steel and auto industries took a hit and the neighborhood suffered. Hardware stores were replaced with check cashing places and liquor stores. Now, you know, at least I know, you are in the hood when you see check cashing places, liquor stores, and pawn shops on on every every corner. corner. (laughs) And and the moment a Starbucks or a Panera Bread pops up in your hood, that means you are about to get gentrified (laughs) and you better prepare to leave. Anyway, I digress. So residents that stayed only did so because they couldn't afford to leave. And uh, in comes this behemoth crack um, epidemic. Um, It was the perfect storm. Um, The drug itself was uh, cheap. It offered residents um, of this um, just down and out community, uh, great intense high uh, 
but it only lasted for a little while. I heard one interview in that documentary about this case. The woman said the high was only five minutes. I read other places the high for is was 15 minutes. Anyway, it was still really short. Yeah. And uh, Cleveland's crime rate skyrocketed, skyrocketed at the same time. The high school dropout rate sky, um, increased as well. Sowell lived uh, in the house with a girlfriend named Lori Frazier for some time. Uh, but eventually she got sober and uh, she left him. I read somewhere that uh, she just could not stand him being sober oh. and him uh, not being sober, which, yeah, totally makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Lori. <laughs> we ain't mad at you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's probably other other reasons as well. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shortly after um, she left him, he lo- also lost his job and he began scrapping, collecting and selling metal and other waste material. He frequented a neighborhood corner store uh, where he would buy 40s of King Cobra and drink all day long. Uh, because of the crack epidemic, there were a lot of women walking around the streets looking to score. And Sol would take advantage of that. He would chat them up and invite them to his house to drink and do drugs. Many of them found him to be charming, and they were vulnerable because of their addictions. Yes. Now, I must say, speaking of charming, okay, I watched his interrogation videos, right? Uh-huh. And I think he was charming. You probably think totally different. <laughs> I actually no. I his the interrogation video. He was like far away. I couldn't see his face. I couldn't really tell what was going on. You know. So, but mm-hmm. um, I heard that all over the place that people found him charming, like especially women, because he he was nice to them and he would mm-hmm. act caring and mm-hmm. he would say, Oh, come to my house. I'll fix you something to eat. We'll, we'll drink some beer, you know, and they just found him charming. So. Yeah. Well, um, not that I was under any spell or anything, but I'm <laughs> just saying I, I saw, saw the charm, it. even yeah. when he was being interrogated by these, these police. So. Yeah, I believe it because a lot of, a lot of those, uh, Serial killers are described as charming, so, yeah. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, way to bring it back, Beth. (laughs) Way to bring (laughs) us back to the story. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. 
What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download. American Vigilante, now. So uh, now we're going to get into the timeline. Okay, get your 2007 calendars out. In (laughs) May or June of 2007, Crystal Dozier, she was 38, was murdered. She lived a few miles away from Soul's house on the city's east side, but a few years earlier had lived on the same street as Soul. Her mother described her as the responsible one of her children before she became addicted to crack. She was the mother of seven children when she disappeared in May of 2007. Several family members filed missing person reports, and they searched for her throughout the two and a half years she was missing, hoping to find her alive. Police were dismissive, of course, and not very concerned about the missing woman. Hmm, Why? I wonder. Uh, They told her son that she's an adult and she can go missing if she wants to. And the family papered the neighborhood with um, missing person flyers. Shame. Yeah. Then in in June of 2008, uh, so this was like a year later, uh, Tashana Culver age 31, she was murdered. Uh, She lived a few houses away from Anthony Soule on Imperial Avenue. The mother of four was last seen by her family in June 2008, but she was never reported missing. Uh, She had several drug convictions and worked as a beautician. She drifted in and out of family life and was not reported missing because she had disappeared and reappeared many times before. A boyfriend remembers her as being a very caring person when she was sober. Man, Um, I just think, you know, people joke that crack is a hell of a drug, but it really, it really is. It really is. Yeah, we're serious. Yeah. Don't do it. I mean, if a mother can't, (laughs) no, don't do it. And if a mother is, is so, like, in the, just gripped by addiction that you can't, be um, a mother like that i just think that that's i just i this truck is so crazy yeah it's so crazy i've just i've never tried it 
Um, but just ne- never it, want to. This whole <laughs> never want yeah. to. This, well, I don't. I won't say never want to, <laughs> because it does sound like it's pretty blissful for a few minutes. So what I'm yeah. saying is, when I am in my 80s and I have <laughs> nothing else to lose, this then you'll do is some crap. on my to do list. Okay. okay. Anyway, maybe maybe you and I uh, when, can get together yeah, and try when, it once and, when, when we're all when old. my house is paid off and my kids are out of my house and you know, I don't know if my husband will be alive by then. Who knows? He's 10 years older than me. Um you know, my I don't I I don't have to worry if I do go to jail, it won't be for very long cuz I'll be in my 80s. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah, saying you're going to die it, anyway. So there are some things I've considered but I'm putting them way put it off, off put it until, off until the yeah. end of life. Yes. So <laughs> August 2008, LaShonda Long, she was 24 when she was murdered. As a child, Long looked out for her siblings. She was the bossy one, relative said. She was very motherly with her brothers and sisters. Um, said uh, That's what her aunt said. She was always strong-willed and sassy, but she didn't get into any trouble. Um, but she came, became pregnant at age 14 and had three children before she was old enough to vote. And she was dead by 24. Um, and she had been deemed unfit to raise her children and had gone out of contact with her family, who nevertheless still loved her. And although LaShonda... Uh, would lose contact with her family for long periods of time, she would always be sure to call her father and her aunt every year on their birthdays. That's really sweet. On her aunt's birthday in August of 2008, there was no phone call. um, And she was the youngest of Soul's victims. In October 2008, Michelle Mason, age 45, was murdered. She lived near Anthony Soul's neighborhood and rarely went longer than two days without talking to her family. The family went to police on October 12, 2008, after not hearing from her for a few days. Her sister says police didn't take it seriously because of her arrest record, even though she had stopped cashing her Social Security checks. On November 10, 2008, Tanya Carmichael, age 53, was murdered. Uh, She grew up around Seoul. They grew up in the same neighborhood, and she knew him, though not well. She told friends she was going out to run an errand, and she never returned. Her car was later found in Seoul's neighborhood. Her family knew that something was wrong when she failed to come home, and they went to police and asked for help. But guess what? Uh, They again dismissed her because she was an addict and a black woman who nobody in America gives a shit about. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry I said that out loud. Um, They told the family that she would come home when she was done using drugs. Oh, really, police? The family put up (laughs) flyers and her daughter, Danita, did not stop looking for her. (laughs) Makes me really angry. Yeah, yeah. December 8th, 2008, Gladys Wade made a report that Sowell had approached her When she was walking by his house, Uh, he wished her a Merry Christmas and asked if she wanted to come in and drink beer. She declined. Uh, He then attacked her, dragging her into his house and up the stairs. She fought him off by scratching at his face and grabbing his testicles. You go, girl. Yeah. She was able to get away and ran across the street to a restaurant 
uh, but he followed her and uh, he told the occupants of the restaurant that she had robbed him. Uh, but Gladys waited at the restaurant until Sol was gone and then flagged down a p- passing police car. Based on her injuries and obvious struggle, they arrested him, but the police didn't find her credible and they stated that it was his word against hers. So after arresting him, they let him go. I was just thinking, I feel like Law and Order SVU needs to make an episode about this. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, yeah, I just want to see, I just want to see Olivia all over it. Do you watch SVU? I, I do. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time. Okay. But, um, okay. Yeah, I watch it. I, I love Olivia. <laughs> I love Mariska Haggerty. I love her. <laughs> oh my God. Who's your favorite Law and Order um, uh, district attorney? Um, let me think. Let me think. Um, you know what? I, I who's the new, the newest one, the short guy? Um, R- Raphael Barba. Yes, is it Barba? I kind of like him. <laughs> you, you do. Oh my god, yeah. he gets on my fucking nerves. Oh, don't even get me started about that stupid white privilege guy named Stone who has replaced Barba. I oh I haven't he seen it. He got replaced. I haven't seen that. Oh, I've seen it since. I'm trying to think who else. Well, there was the black guy. There was there was McCoy. There was oh McCoy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think McCoy lady. was was my favorite. He's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I think, I think he was my favorite. Um, is so is Olivia your favorite like general Law and Order yes, cop ever? Definitely. Mine. Mine too. Sorry, <laughs> everybody else sucks. <laughs> Uh, anyway, even Ice say, Cube, I, <laughs> oh, Mr. One Line Per Episode, Ice Cube, Ice Tea, no, or Ice Tea. Thank yeah, you. Not, not Ice Cube. Sorry, <laughs> I knew it was Ice something. No, it's okay. <laughs> those ices, those ices, ice every time. But yeah, ice no, guys. he says he says one line, and every time, okay, so we he's, watch it religiously. But every time few, he says he had, one line, you think he's got some bangers? Uh, some, no, I'm. Some, I was gonna say he he had a few episodes about his personal life. His his son is gay right and he had a real a real yeah. problem with that and yeah. um there yeah, i do remember there was a few episodes that were pretty that focused on him yeah yeah i and i recall those and those you know what okay i should be more fair to tutuola <laughs> yeah tutuola uh, aka <laughs> i see um but in most episodes he just says like one line and it's it he's literally a captain obvious on the cast so he says the ob- the most obvious the most obvious thing it's so funny to me but nobody nobody oh oh i okay i take that back so there's olivia and then slightly below her is bobby from criminal intent Ooh, oh yeah with, yeah i love that show it's that's not on anymore is it no it's he uh, was it uh no i don't his, so. the actor uh Vincent, Vince, no, Vincent, Vince, I want to say Vincent D'Onofrio, but I feel like yes, that's wrong. That's no, that's it. That's it Vince, is. It's Vincent oh. D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love okay. that. So show. shout out. There's another. Yes, me too. Me too. There's <laughs> there's another good podcast. I have to stop and tell you guys about. It is called, um, I think it's called Law and Order. Yeah, the podcast. Uh, it was uh, uh, no. It's it's these these are their stories, wasn't it? Something like that. These are their stories. 
Yeah. Yeah, you could you could be right. Anyway, there's a Law and Order podcast out there and it's super duper great and they talk about everything. So if you are also a true crimer, I don't think it's far off for you to for me to assume that you are also into Law and Order and there's a podcast out there for us. So um <laughs> oh, so where the hell are sorry, we? Anyway? That was a tangent. Where the <laughs> heck are we? Okay, so we talked um, about Carmichael. Oh, they let him go. We talk about okay. Okay. So back to the story. Neighbors began to complain to the Cleveland Health Department about a foul odor that smelled like a mixture of blood and rotting meat. Everyone assumed it was coming from the family-owned store called Ray's Sausage Company, which was right next door to Soul's house. The um, Cleveland Health Department required Ray's Sausage to redo their entire sewer system, and they spent thousands of dollars doing so but it didn't help it still was stanky the smell (laughs) got so bad that some residents actually moved away it was only later after Seoul uh, was arrested that the owners of Ray's Sausage said they suspected that Seoul may have dumped some bodies in their dumpsters Um, the owner of the corner store where Seoul bought his beer also suspected, suspected that bodies had been dumped in his dumpster he claimed that um, he once found some smelly garbage bags taped up with duct tape in his dumpster, but he did not investigate further or report it to the authorities. Um, this was after Soul's arrest. So take that with a grain of salt. And also this stupid <laughs> motherfucker on that documentary that we saw, it's called Unseen and it's on uh-huh. Amazon. And this guy had the audacity to go on fucking camera and say that he wished there was hundreds more Anthony Soul. I think he said millions more. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's even fucking worse. Yeah. Because he said Soul cleaned out the trash. This fucking guy, I don't remember what his name was, but he, he should, he, please, please, let's shame him out of business. Okay. Yeah. He should not be serving that community anything because yeah. uh if, you, if he, he, people, he just called them garbage and that anthony soul was cleaning out the garbage literally mm-hmm. I, I he, he said it really That's what needs he said. to be yeah. sh- he said it he, I, I just i don't understand how he can say that and then look at himself in the mirror because here's okay this is another thing that is shameful is he's a brown person he's a brown immigrant yeah and i guess what he brown like I, th- I think he was maybe um, Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh well, my my point is that um, the, in in at least in um, the 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 zeitgeist of 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 people of color is that they say when when they're done discriminating against African Americans, who's next? And yeah. that guy is the type of guy who's next, yeah. a.k.a. Muslim man, oh, a.k.a. Yeah. Donald Trump xenophobia. So I just think that he should be a little bit more careful about the people he calls garbage. Because when the when the right person is is in charge and looking at him and looking at us, black people or brown people, they're not going to distinguish any any one person from garbage or store owner they're going to look at all of us the same way yeah. so i just think um this this man is forgetting where he is in the united states of america cuz people white people i think will look at him as garbage too so check yourself yeah. before you wreck yourself <laughs> anyway i digress 
Okay, so in uh, January, <laughs> oh no, no, I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> just getting on with the story. <laughs> okay. So uh, January 17th, uh, 2009, uh, Kim Yvette Smith, she was 44 and she was murdered. As a child, she was close to her parents and gave them no trouble. But as a teenager, she began doing drugs. And by the time she was an adult, she was addicted. She never married and was the only one of the 11 victims who never had children. Friends described her as the artsy type, and she and her father made a pact to take care of each other. Smith uh, stayed with her father and looked out for him after he developed a spinal injury that left him in a wheelchair. And her father uh, was a Marine Corps veteran, and he loved and supported her despite her drug addiction. He encouraged her to turn her life around he had paid for drug treatment programs and psychologists, provided her oh, with wow. a place to stay, food, and spending money. Her father never gave up on her. He visited her in lockup when she was uh, arrested for different charges and then would take her in when she came home. He believed she could change. And then she was gone. After she disappeared, her father offered a reward to help find her. Uh, but she'd been murdered by Soul and buried in his garden. Oh, that's a sad one. On April 2009, Nancy Cobbs was age 43 when she was murdered. She herself said that she was a very poor mother. But as she got older, she got her life back on track and she was helping to raise her grandchildren. She disappeared in April around the time of her birthday. She was reported missing in Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing Authority uh, Police on June 11th and to Cleveland Police on November 2nd. She had four children and was living with her daughter about three blocks from Soul's house. She was familiar, a familiar face in the area and had a history of drug abuse. She was often seen sitting on a stoop with Soul drinking beer. When she disappeared, friends and family combed the neighborhood looking for her, and she was buried in Sewell's Garden the whole time. In April 2009, Melda Hunter, 47, was murdered. She was known to her friends as Amy, and family members say that she loved to read, watch television, and do crossword puzzles. As a young teenager, she gave birth to a daughter that was born deaf and with cerebral palsy. She also later gave birth to two sons. Amy found solace in drugs, and her brother says uh, he dropped her off in Soul's neighborhood several times and knows that she occasionally drank beer with him in his house. Family members say she vanished in April of 2009. In June 2009, Janice Webb, age 49, was murdered. She often hung out in Soul's neighborhood and was last seen on June 3rd. Her family reported her missing about August 2nd. Wow, two, mon two months later? Yeah. Cleveland police say they searched for her uh, unsuccessfully by checking with friends and relatives and at area hospitals and shelters. Her sister says she was a loving person who struggled with drug and alcohol addiction. She was also described by her family as a joker. Webb was a mother of one and a, grandson a grandmother of three. In June 2009, Talasia Fortson, 31, uh, was murdered. 
Fortson liked arranging flowers and attending church. She had three children, but lost custody because of drug use. She still spent time with them, though, uh, and when she didn't show up to braid their hair, uh, family members became alarmed. She was buried in Soul's Garden. September 2009, Diane Turner, she was age 38 when she was murdered. Um, she was the mother of six. Five of her children had been taken away from her due to drug use, but she had been sober for 21 months and was pregnant with the daughter of her new boyfriend. She was involved in the church and had finally broken her longtime addiction to crack cocaine. She truly believed she could be a real mom to the little girl she would name Denise. When Denise was born was uh, probably the best time of her life. The boyfriend was James Martin, and he said she was clean. Everything was good. But because of her past and despite no evidence that she was using, social workers removed Denise um, from her mom's care four days after she was born. Wait, why? Yeah, I I, I don't know why. Um... But they they found reason to remove her, even though she wasn't using. Okay, we need to overhaul CPS. Uh, (laughs) Turner fought to get her daughter back, but failed. Um, And it shattered her, and she relapsed. Um, After more years of abusing drugs, Turner disappeared in September of 2009. The last of the 11 women to go missing, her body was found in a third floor bedroom of Anthony Soule's house. She had never been reported missing, and her remains took the longest to be identified as well because of her severed severed family ties. And then on September 2nd, 2009, um, Sol was a registered sex offender, as we mentioned before. Uh, And because Mm -hmm. he was a registered sex offender, sheriffs were allowed to make surprise visits to his home. Uh, So on September 2nd, uh, they came to his house, chatted with him, and left. And they had no idea he had a bunch of dead bodies in his house. And this this confused me because... Come on! (laughs) I mean, the the neighbors are complaining about the smell. Didn't they smell something? Didn't they smell something? Oh, my God. Uh. It's fuckery at its finest, everybody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So... Anyway, Cleveland PD, you're you're trash until you get it together. <laughs> On September 22nd, Latundra Billups, a.k.a. Lala, a black woman, mother of five, she went with Soul to his home to drink beer and smoke crack. Lala was a mutual friend of both Soul and his ex-girlfriend, Lori Frazier. She had heard a rumor in the neighborhood that Soul abused a woman in the neighborhood, subjecting her to rape and imprisoning her in his house. But uh, her addiction outweighed her fear about what she heard. She knew Soul and she had been to his house before. Um, I think she might have even been friends with Lori Frazier. Yeah, they were mutual friends. So they were yeah, familiar. They, were, they knew each um, other. Yeah. yeah. And they were drinking and doing drugs when he attacked her, punched her hard in the face, and began choking her with an extension cord until she passed out. When she woke up, she saw him sitting in a chair, and um, Sol looked like he was shocked to see her wake up. And uh, he said he was going to kill both her and himself because he knew he was going to jail. She promised she would not send him to jail, and he apologized. Um, he offered to replace a sweater 
um, that he'd torn off of her and asked if she would come back the next day. She got dressed and assured him that she wouldn't tell anyone um, if he just let her leave. She reported him to the police and went to the hospital to do a rape kit. But the police took three weeks to actually contact her. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so after... Imagine if she had been a white lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So that was on September 22nd. Um, she reported uh, this rape. And then on October 19th, before the police had contacted Latundra or Lala... Um, October 19th, 2009, Sean Morris, a black woman who was married with children, uh, who struggled with drugs and alcohol between periods of sobriety. She was partying one morning when she ran into Seoul at a bus stop at 7 a.m. She agreed to go to his house to continue partying. Uh, he offered her crack and beer. She left Seoul's house around noon but returned to the house because she forgot her ID. It was at that time that Sol attacked her and began strangling her. According to Sean, during the attack, he said, I hate you bitches. Look at you. You've got a husband at home and you out in here in the streets. And he was just going on and on about how I hate bitches. And that's why I hate bitches. He raped her vaginally and attempted to do so anally when she started screaming very loudly. He jumped up and started closing all the windows. She was sitting right in front of a window, and she knew he was going to try to kill her. So she attempted to jump from the second-story window, still naked. Uh, Sol tried to grab mm -hmm. her and pull her back in, but uh, apparently when Sol realized that he couldn't get her back in the window, he pushed her. And she fell out onto the concrete below. A crowd gathered uh, around when they saw an injured woman lying on the ground and a man standing over her, both naked, in the alley between the Sowell House and the sausage shop. So uh, 911 was called. Donald Laster, a landlord in the area, demanded that Sowell stop moving the woman. Sowell said that uh, she was his wife. That's not true. And that she had accidentally fallen from the window while they were having sex. Sowell said, I'm going to take her back into the house. Uh, she's all right. Laster gave the unconscious woman a T-shirt to cover her up. Sowell was attempting to pick Morris up and move her back inside the house, but stopped when one of the onlookers yelled at him not to do so. Sowell became visibly angry and tried to get the witnesses away from where Morris had fallen. He eventually got Morris to her feet and back inside as an emer emergency vehicle pulled up. Sol rode in the ambulance with Sean and told the cops he was her husband and gave the same bullshit story about her falling out of the window during sex. Sean had two broken hands, eight broken ribs, a skull fracture, and a brain aneurysm. Woo! She had lost consciousness, and when she woke up in the hospital two days later, she was like, hey, nurse, can I call my husband? And the nurse was like, Hey, boo, your husband rode with you in the ambulance. And she told the nurse, that wasn't my husband. And she was really freaked out. So she didn't tell the police anything. Yeah. At first I was like, why didn't she notify the police? Uh, but then I read uh, that she, she told her husband that she was in a car accident. Uh, so she was probably ashamed yeah. about what had happened mm -hmm. and didn't want her husband to know. 
either that she was doing drugs mm. or that she was with another man or uh, that right. she had been raped or really any of it. I mean, that that would be right. Uh, hard to hard embarrassing. To tell. I mean, yeah. embarrassing. Hard yeah, to hard hard to share with yeah. anybody. And I think I also read that her husband was also he while they had been together a long time was starting to lose patience with her yeah um, with her addiction because she just couldn't stay sober yeah yeah and i suspect that so. the main reason was um that she didn't want him to know that she was doing drugs yeah but she also said uh that soul told her that he would kill her if she went to the police but i don't know when he would have had time to say that um uh, because you know, she fell yeah. out the window and then there were all the people around and then they went in the ambulance and she lost consciousness, consciousness. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, and it could have been just a feeling that she had that, uh, he would yeah. kill her, you know, so that, that could have been part of it too, but I, I'm sure yeah, she maybe. was ashamed and, uh, yeah. it's unfortunate I also must say, there's surveillance video of her. Oh, yeah. Not falling out of the house, but him. him. She's in like these bushes in between the building. He comes out. He's naked. They're, they're Helps, both naked. Like, gets yeah, on top it's of so her. weird. They're both naked. And then, yeah. It, and then he helps her up. And I was watching on my phone. You were probably watching on like a bigger screen. So it it, it was very grainy on my phone. It was but he grainy, like yeah. gets her up. They're both naked. And he gets her and he walks her towards the side of her house. I don't know if. They may, I don't, it sounds like they didn't make it inside the house, but anyway, there's video of it out there. Get that Amazon. Yeah. Watch, um, watch that, uh, documentary, uh, documentary because yeah, they have the surveillance on that. I haven't found it anywhere else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like crazy. <laughs> like what? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what am I looking? I what? rubbed my eyes. I know. I like, what got the hell's some going on? My glasses. <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so police finally took a statement from Latondra Billups at the Sex Crimes Unit office on October 27th, 2009. If I had the hip hop air horn handy, I Ooh. would push it. <laughs> now, get ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance. That's right, it's June's Journey, and you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test, sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects, and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. <laughs> As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. <laughs> on October 28th, Durst met with Cleveland City Prosecutor who issued an arrest warrant for Anthony Soule pertaining to the rape of Latondra Billups. Durst also conferred with an assistant 
Cuyahoga County prosecutor and obtained a search warrant for the house on Imperial Avenue. Nursed and members of the SWAT team executed the search warrant at approximately 6.50 p.m. on October 29th. Sol was not present at the time. Um, after sweeping the house room to room, SWAT team members eventually came to a locked door at the south end of the hallway at the third floor attic area. SWAT kicked in the door and Officer Richard Butler, the first man into the room, discovered two decomposing bodies lying face down on the floor. Sol had covered the bodies with piles of clothing and wrapped one in black plastic garbage bag up to her knees. He had covered the windows to the room with garbage bags. There was also a shovel lying on the floor between the two bodies. After SWAT reported to Durst that they had found or what they had found, Durst notified the homicide unit. Cleveland police police then began a two-day manhunt for Sowell. Over the next five days, investigators would remove a total of 11 bodies in the house on Imperial Avenue. Two, Talicia Fortson and Diane Turner, were lying on the floor of the front room on the third floor. Then there was another body, Janice Webb, was buried in a mound of dirt under the basement stairs. Next body, Nancy Cobbs, was stuffed into a garbage bag that was lying on the floor of the front room next to the bodies of Fortson and Turner. Next body, Tishana Culver, was buried in a mound of dirt in a crawl space cut out of a... He cut out the fucking wall? Cut out of a wall in the front room of the third floor. Next body, LaShonda Long, was only partially located as a skull in a bucket in the basement, and the rest of the body was never found. Then five more bodies were found. Um, it was Tanya Carmichael, Crystal Dozier, Amelda Hunter, Michelle Mason, and Kim Smith. And they were buried in shallow graves in the backyard. Soul was still missing. And the FBI and Homeland Security became involved in the inv- investigation. Soul's neighbor who lived across the street, a woman named Debbie Madison, saw the police tape around his home and heard the police had found dead bodies in there. She drove to Sol's sister's house and found him there playing video games. Uh, somehow she convinced him, this guy, <laughs> to come back with him. So uh, she drove him back towards his home. And on the way, he said, it's all going to come out now. And then at the last minute, he asked her to drive him back to his sister's house, which she did. And uh, then she came back to the crime scene and told the police where, where to find Sol. When the police arrived at the house, uh, he had already fled on foot. On Halloween night, 2009, the police, or not Halloween night, it was Halloween. 2009, the police assured nervous parents that it was safe to trick or treat in the neighborhood. But they advised parents to escort their children and to stay in groups. Now, around noon, the police found Sol walking down the street. Um, at first, he denied being who he was, and he said his name was Anthony Williams. Eventually, he admitted that it was, in fact, him who they were looking for. He was interrogated for hours over the course of days. Sol at first only admitted to having bad dreams about murdering women and that he was hearing voices, but come on, bro, <laughs> we found 11 bodies in your house. So, Yeah, and he eventually opened up, and during his interrogation, he said he 
took out his anger on women, particularly those whose drug abuse and irresponsible lifestyles reminded him of his ex-girlfriend, Lori Frazier. Of course, his lifestyle was not irresponsible. <laughs> oh, right. right. Uh, I do crack. But, <laughs> but I women do. should not be doing crack. <laughs> Uh, right. He also made a comment right. that okay. he punished women, but he provided no useful information on the identities of the victims. The bodies were not easily identifiable, and the community was asked to help uh, identifying the victims by providing DNA samples. And the victims were all eventually identified with the help of familial DNA. And I wanted to mention that more than 4,500 pictures were taken during the investigation by the Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office. That's a lot of pictures. Oh, yeah. It's all over the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of damn pictures. But good. But good. good yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think... Uh, there was a lot to see. It was really... They're, they're gross. There's a lot yeah. to see. <laughs> so gross <laughs> but um but i love true crime so i was into it anyway so he gets arrested. He uh, then goes to trial dun, dun. at his arraignment. So pleaded not guilty to uh, or by reason of insanity. His trial began on June 27th, 2011. He was represented by an attorney named John Parker, and he was charged with 85 counts of murder, kidnapping and rape. And during the trial, a woman named Vanessa Gay testified that she went home with Sol one night sometime in August or September of 2008. They were going to smoke crack when he punched her in the face and then told her to take her clothes off. She did what he told her to do. He raped her and beat her for hours. Sol told Gay that he was doing this because of his hate for, hatred for women who, like his ex-girlfriend Lori Frazier, smoked crack. Although Sol continued to threaten and taunt Gay, he soon became unsure as to whether Gay deserved the punishment that he normally inflicted on women who reminded her, him of Fraser. He said, you aren't like the others. You don't deserve what I'm going to do to you. He kept talking about all the women who did him wrong, who smoked crack. Vanessa Gay uh, would just agree with him. And he, she tried not to say anything that might upset him. He told her that he had an insatiable sexual appetite. That morning, she asked to use the bathroom and he let her. She testified that as she walked down the hallway of the third floor attic area towards the bathroom, she saw on the left through the doorway into a room um, to what looked like a body with no head on it. Woo! It was propped up, sitting on the floor. I did not realize this. <laughs> and it was taped up, but it had no head on it, y'all. She was terrified, but also had a feeling like it was not possible, that this could not be real. When she came out of the bathroom, she did not let on to let him know what she had seen because she was afraid he would kill her if she, if 
he did know that she saw her, she saw this stuff. He let her go when she assured him that she would not tell anyone about the rape. And I don't know if this is part of her testimony or not, but in an interview, she said that she walked down the street afterwards after she he allowed her to leave the house and uh, she was beat up and obviously beat up mm-hmm. and nobody helped her. Uh, and some people actually laughed at her, uh, which is horrible. Unbelievable. Uh, Shame on yeah. the whole community for that. And uh, she did call the police and they told her to file a report at the station. That's the attention that she got. Uh, and she never mm. filed the report because, you know, they probably were very dismissive when she called the station. Right. And they were like, oh, file a report. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what's that? You you do crack? Yeah. And okay. you're black? Yeah. yeah. Why, why don't, don't you file don't you, a report why don't you email and we'll me? just ignore yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so. after the trial, de- jurors deliberated for 15 hours. And in July of 2011... Uh, Saul was uh, convicted of 84 of the 85 charges, including aggravated murder, abusing a corpse, and tampering with evidence in the deaths of 11 women whose remains were found in and around his home in Cleveland's Mount Pleasant neighborhood. Jurors also found him guilty of attempting to kill three others who survived. And he received a death sentence. Yes. I'd say I feel like justice. I think so. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So where are they now? (laughs) So he's on death row in a maximum security prison. He has appealed. And uh, his house was demolished in the winter of 2011, and it's now a vacant lot. And it looked like, from the documentary, we saw that that people stood around and watched, and um, almost celebrated this house of yeah. They really, down. they really I think wanted that's it cool. gone. So, yeah, yeah. And I also wanted to mention that uh, Latundra Billups, the lady uh, who was referred to as Lala. Uh, she kicked her habit mm-hmm. and she, she was, yeah, Yay. she was the lady whose rape uh, finally brought soul to justice. Uh, the one that brought uh, the police finally to his house. So anyway, uh, Lala earned her master's yes. degree in social work at Cleveland state university in 2016. I thought that was. Yeah, Shout out that, to you, sister. That was the one, That's great. The one bright part of this story. Yes, yes, I love that. I'm I'm grinning from ear to ear yeah. just hearing that one. Yeah. Um. So one of the reasons why I love true crime is because I want to know what made these people snap. Yep. Um. And uh, Sal was interviewed by two psychologists while he was in prison. When asked what triggered him to commit the murders, he said. I don't like people who hurt kids, especially women. Women are supposed to be our protectors over everyone else, but that's not the way it is. Sowell claimed he was sexually abused as a child by a female cousin, an older nephew, and a girlfriend's mother. He said his mother was cruel to him and that he'd been very angry with her for years. Uh, And his female uh, cousin or niece... Uh, what who was abused by him 
or she was abused in front of Sol and then later sexually abused mm-hmm. by him and other males in his household. Uh, that instance in his childhood may have, or many instances. <laughs> oh, God, the, the yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible childhood. <laughs> that may have... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot. Yeah, that probably had an influence on forming his views on women and sexuality in general. Uh, During Soul's interrogation, Mm -hmm. he said the breakup with his girlfriend Lori was traumatic, and he began raping and killing women after she left him. But I I call bullshit. Uh, He claimed. He claimed that he loved her, but she was a drug addict and didn't love him back. But, you know, she she uh, kicked her habit and he didn't. And she couldn't she just couldn't be around him anymore. And it seems to me like when his life was not orderly, when he had no discipline, like when he was in the military, he he did very well in prison. He did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he had a job and he had his girlfriend, Lori, to keep him on track, um, he did okay. But it was after after that that he turned to drink and drugs and rape and murder. So uh, he keeps going back to his relationship with Lori, but um, I think it's bullshit. It's just an excuse. I think um that the Lori thing um might have been what made him snap yeah but there's a lot of kids and a lot of people in the world who are abused as kids um who have terrible childhoods who have who live through really traumatic things and not everybody ends up being a serial killer yeah. so um i i know that there's that argument to be made but i i do think that there's a lot of well, he did he did very well you mean in terms of how he fit into society no he could he did not fit into society he did very well in prison and uh in uh the military when he had structure and people mm-hmm. were directing him uh it was when he was in society that he just left to his own yeah left to his own devices him what to yeah do, what time to wake up where yeah. to go uh, i see well, um, he said that it made him angry that the women he killed had children and that they were not taking care of them. He thought women should be perfect and he hated the fact that they did drugs and would say things um, to them about it, about how he wanted to help them and he would act caring. He claimed that some of the girls reminded him of his girlfriend and then um, and then he would get angry. am the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire let me tell you what you're going to get you're going to hear stories about demonic possessions prison stabbings skinwalkers glitches in the matrix cult leaders missing 411 night marchers operation paperclip mesopotamian devil worship and so many monsters it'll give kanye west a runaway for his money pop and meme culture also aren't off topic a camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer 
and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. So that's yep. it for the story. Um, he's on death row. And um, now we're going to get our into takeaways. what Beth and I found interesting mm-hmm. about the story. So some of our takeaways. So um, I guess here I go. Let me just make sure there's no rattlesnakes <laughs> upon me as I am here in my garage in the <laughs> desert. I thought I heard a rattle, but it could have, it could have just been, it could have been, could have been, could have been anything. Um, anyway, if I die, you'll just, see. just tell me, you call just my husband. Me. Okay. Thanks, Beth. Anyway, <laughs> just instant message my husband on Facebook. Okay. Anyway. Um, so my takeaway is, um, when people are in the throes of addiction, they might do things or involve themselves in things where um, their safety or their well-being might be well, uh, you know, compromised. And Mr. Sowell is a monster for taking advantage of these vulnerable women who had addiction problems. Um, I, I, as a black and brown woman, shame on this black man for doing this to these women in this community. Um, I think it's awful. I don't think that he's the only one. And I think that um, it is just disgusting. On top of that, crack was uh, criminalized and has a terrible stigma attached to it, um, which is why the cops didn't just jump in and yeah. save all these women uh, right away. Uh, it was a shame that there was um, no resources available to these communities who needed addiction and recovery help. Um, the crack epidemic is um, fraught just as the current opioid op- epidemic is, um, but the two crises are treated hmm. very differently. Hmm, I wonder why. Hmm, I have a theory or two. It starts with an R and ends with aceism. Um, also, <laughs> there were so many signs that something was wrong at this house. He was a sex offender, um, and the smell was awful. And the smell is uh, sticks out in my mind because I've heard other um, true crime podcasts where neighbors. Um, that were um, their testimony was included in part of the story indicate that this motherfucker's house smelled terrible, and it turns out it was because oh, there's yeah, a bunch of bodies yeah. in this place, and so it just blows th- my just, mind that what? the police what? went to his house uh, because he was a sex offender. They they went to his house, you know, more than once uh, to check on him, and yeah. But what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the smell. And uh, you guys weren't concerned enough to go yeah, inside. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so that's what I think. Yeah. So we <laughs> mentioned uh, the documentary called Unseen. It's on Amazon Video, and mm-hmm. it's about three dollars to rent. Uh, so totally worth it. Um. It, yeah, I was really affected by it because uh, they interviewed a lot of the victims who survived mm-hmm. and family members of those who did not survive. And they talked about how many of these mm-hmm. women were uh, brought up in alcoholic drug addicted families. 
and it seemed like to me like they hardly had a chance mm -hmm. and uh it was kind of sad so yeah i thought i thought that the odds were definitely yeah stacked against and anyway, when people so. say oh they just um, got to pull themselves yeah, up I by them, their bootstraps but um you know when you're brought up in a situation like that um as a child it's really difficult to uh move out of that it's it's really um the exception the person who is able to get out mm -hmm. of that and actually uh, be successful be meaning just having a normal life you know um it's that is really yeah. the exception because uh, it is so hard yeah. what, when you're brought up in that environment uh, to get out of it. You know, your parents, your your grandparents are using, exactly. you know, everybody's using and, you know, uh -huh. yeah. Everybody's using. So anyway. Um, yeah. By the way, the only people who say... Who say that get get you get get out of the bootstraps thing are usually only yeah. privileged. Yeah, I've, who say that? I've never heard bullshit. a black person say that. It is such bullshit. Anybody. That makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi! I wish I could high five you through the internet airwaves. Um, did I you agree. know that uh, pulling <laughs> sorry pulling yourself you up by your bootstraps was actually uh, that phrase was actually meant to be satirical. <laughs> Oh, it was supposed to be a joke? Yeah, because you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> okay, then this whole phrase needs to be canceled. Uh, yeah, just, just stop. <laughs> Hashtag cance cancel pulling people up by their bootstrap. Has hashtag that shit right now. Okay, yeah. listeners? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. That is impossible it's, to it's do. It's impossible to do. So <laughs> yeah, the phrase was initially meant as, as a joke and then people just latched onto it. So yeah, you can't do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so to get back to something so, more sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I did okay. want to mention that it is suspected that Seoul kept these women prisoners, uh, the murdered women, uh, prisoners for days mm -hmm. before killing them. Um, like mm. Crystal Dozier, for example, she went missing in May of 2007 around Mother's Day. Uh, but the coroner mm -hmm. estimated her date of death as June of 2007. I don't know how accurate that is, but... Uh, they do suspect huh. that he kept them for days. And there was one, mm -hmm. I, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, one of the survivors said that he had threatened to throw her in a closet and forget about her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. And again, uh, these women were just treated like garbage uh, by the police, by everybody, uh, not listened to. And many more rapes and murders happened than had to because the police just dismissed missing person reports, the reports of rapes, and really everything. The whole damn thing. Yep. What are you guys doing in Cleveland? Uh, oh, <laughs> I, my mom was like, uh, Wendy, maybe you shouldn't say such awful things about the police. <laughs> but um, I would not do that, Mom, if they didn't do such they awful things. They just need things. to do their I'm jobs. sorry. Some, some of the police are <laughs> they, good. They're doing their jobs, but, you know. Other ones like this this example, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. So they can do better. That's 
That's all I'm getting at, Mom. Don't they worry. They can do better. Anyway, yes. uh, <laughs> so uh, now this is where we, um, based on all the craziness we've just discussed during this episode, our ideas on how you guys can stay safe. So <clears throat> if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. So, <laughs> so this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. Uh, we thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to, to be safer. Uh, but in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. That's right. But today uh, our tip is <clears throat> addiction is a disease, period. Full stop. Nothing else after that. That's it. <laughs> if the disease was cancer or diabetes, you would get treatment for it. And addiction, in my opinion, should not be treated any different than any other disease that we uh, deal with on a daily basis. Being addicted to substances compromises you uh, mentally and physically and spiritually. And you can end up putting yourself in really unsafe situations like Anthony Sowell's mm -hmm. house. Um, my tip is to get help for your addiction. If you're listening to this show, please do not suffer in silence. Um, there are a million ways to get sober and stay that way. There's AA, there's NA. I personally think that they're kind of antiquated forms of getting sober, but they work for some people. Um, church groups, books, lots of podcasts on sobriety out there um, to help you get sober and stay sober. Um, Contact uh, Google Alicia, hit the Google machine um, to look for um, help, or um, there's a national hotline um, to help people get sober. It's 1 800 662 HELP. That's 4357. 1 800 662 4357. And so, yeah, I just want to say that's a great tip. And I just wish that we had better access to mental health treatment in this country, including, you know, substance abuse. In order to get treatment, yes. uh, you need money. And people who are addicted mm -hmm. don't usually have money. Funny like that. Uh, and we are just throwing these lives away. And as an example, Lala, you know, she, she was an addict. And she mm -hmm. was able to um, shake her addiction and sh get a degree. and you know, just yeah. to dismiss these people as just garbage and he's just throwing away the trash. That's uh, just pisses me off. Just, just, awful. yeah, like, these are people, yeah. these are people with families. These are people, yeah. with parents and siblings and, and children and they're human beings just like everybody else. That's yeah, it. Yep. And, uh, there's always hope. Oh, totally, totally, totally. I, I, I don't know how open you want to be with addiction in your family, but it, it's, pretty prevalent in mine. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that's, I just look, I have learned to just look at it as a disease. Right. I've been in interventions before. Have you ever been to an intervention before? Um, not, <laughs> and, not as such. No. I mean, uh, I went through counseling and oh, my brother is the, the addict in my family. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Did you guys ever have an intervention for him? 
You know, not as such, but we did have counseling sessions where we talked about mm-hmm. his addiction. Um, but he mm-hmm. was not open. He was not open to it at all. And uh, he did go through rehab a couple of times, and I participated in the rehab. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, but he he just was not interested in getting sober ever. He bullshitted his way through it. He was not interested in getting sober. Oh, see, I think, um, so that's key. And I also think um, it, it just goes to show you how hard it is to get to, to overcome an addiction. It, I mean, it just, it really is a disease of the mind and the, and the body and it just takes, takes over yeah. everything. And so, um, you know, I think there's different degrees of addiction. I think that, um, but I, I think it's either you, it's such a complicated It is very subject. complicated. And, and, and I have to say, I think my, my brother, it, he, there's something more going on there. I think he has an social mm-hmm. personality disorder. So I don't think it's just addiction. Ah, mm-hmm. ah, uh, uh, yeah. And, um, that's just the thing. I think one thing we didn't talk about is Anthony Soul used alcohol and drugs himself, and nobody ever called him an right. addict. But he probably oh, was. Um, yeah, he definitely anyway. was. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's he's being the punisher of these women, and um, you know, like he like it's fine for him to uh, drink and do drugs, but uh, women, no. It just ugh. no, and that's. Fucked up. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't seem right. So, um, so that kind of wraps up our story, our takeaways. And now we just want to give a chance to say thank you to people who have been listening to our show. And, um, I'm getting a little bit sentimental only because, um, I have taken up the charge of, um, reading all of the reviews and, um, most of them are good. I would say um, there are only a couple. Well, there's only one that I think was not kind. Um, and that's okay because I think um, I think the person who was doing the review was trying to be constructive. And um, uh, he or he or she was um, uh, an Arizona native and wasn't um, as happy with our baseline killer episode as um other people were um for the most part though we do get really great reviews and if you do have anything negative to say or more importantly constructive to say please do because it helps our show and it helps you listening ultimately um so i'm going to share a few of the um nice reviews that we got um sometimes we get emails sometimes we get tweets sometimes we get reviews on platforms. And so here goes from iTunes. And we've got a pretty good rating on iTunes right now um, and on Stitcher. So um, let's just keep them coming uh, because we love you and we love it. Thank you. <laughs> this is from <laughs> this is from um, Bocaholic. And uh, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> love These Ladies is the title of the review. And Bocaholic says, I love hearing new stories I haven't heard yet. Love these ladies. I'm excited for future podcasts. And Bocaholic gave us a good rating. So thank you, Bocaholic. Um, 
Blessings to you. Amen. By uh, This one is by Chelsea based on a true crime. She says, I'm assuming Chelsea is a girl, but I could be wrong. Oh, boy. Nope. She's a girl. She's a girl. Okay. Love this pod. So great to have more coverage on serial killers of color. Keep the amazing work up. Thank you so much, Chelsea underscore based on a true crime. Do you know her? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, Based on a True Crime is her podcast. (gasps) Oh! It's actually an awesome podcast. It's Chelsea and her husband, David, and they are Uh just adorable. (laughs) They're so cute. (laughs) I'm not not usually, I don't usually like, a big fan of like married people. <laughs> They're usually annoying, oh. but the, these, these, uh, this couple is like just adorable. And um, they, uh-huh. what they do is they um, review movies that are based on true crimes mm-hmm. because David is oh. a fan of horror and Chelsea is a fan of cr- true crime. So um, they watch a movie uh, that's based on a true crime and they talk about uh-huh. the crime and how uh, realistic the movie is or how true it is to the crime. So, yeah, it's a really good podcast. So definitely a shout out to Based on a True Crime. Everybody should be listening to that one. I'm going to add it to the queue. And you know what, Miss Chelsea? <laughs> you found it. You found the... <laughs> I found it, and it's just for you, Chelsea Baby Girl. Thank you so much. Okay, this is an iTunes review. Um, It is by Queer and Worried, and Queer and Worried gave us a wonderful review. So thank you, Queer and Worried. Queer and Worried said, great voices and chemistry. The hosts of the show provide a ton of information as well as give great and sometimes hilarious analysis of the facts about serial killers. At first, I was unsure about why politically it was important to showcase serial killers of color. There are so many ways in which POCs are marginalized. POCs, by the way, are people of color, in case you don't know, are marginalized. And I at first thought the podcast was counterproductive to dismantling racism. However, after continuing to listen, Fruit Loops has shown that the lack of attention these crimes gets is harmful to the marginalized victims of these crimes. I really appreciate the open and honest conversations being had on this podcast. Keep doing your thing. You know what, Queer and Worried? We will. Yeah, that's an awesome review. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, I mean, um... I'm going to have to show this one to my mom because she thinks what I do is bullshit. And this is a very nice review. So thank you. (laughs) It's almost making me tear up. (laughs) I can't tell if I'm crying or if I'm sweating in garage studios. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. So speaking, I have to give you a thanks, Super Producer Beth, for um, editing (laughs) the show and um, producing it. And um, I... (laughs) Wendy goes on lots of tangents, y'all. And <laughs> that's why we love this again. podcast. <laughs> I love your so, tangents. Uh, <laughs> so, well, I and I love doing the show with you, Beth. So this is this is a lot of fun. And but it would be impossible if Beth was not here. So thank you to Super <laughs> Producer um, Beth and Beth. 
because you're so super. Um, where can the people find us? I need to be more professional and stop hitting my microphone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our website is fruitloopspod.com. And you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a page called Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion. And we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. Also, links to our sources will be in our footnotes. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.